welcome to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? What's going on, Andrew? Oh, not too much, as usual. Sorry, we had a uh, little break there between episodes. I uh, had my parents actually flew into Phoenix, and they were here for, you know... Boy, their arms tired. Oh, hey now. Boy, were they, uh, they were here for a little over a week, so we managed to not be able to record because I was actually off work and uh, was playing tourist in my own state by showing my parents around a bunch of places they hadn't been. So it was able to, uh, I was able to do that, but unfortunately not this. So we missed a week uh, and we almost missed this week, but you know, here we are Thursday night. We got uh, a couple minutes to sit down and chat. It's a little bit late for Andrew. So I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but figured we'd get a, uh, get something out there instead of having two weeks of no content, right? Yeah, and conversely, if you're listening to these all at once, you've had no break. That's true. Uh, and also, why did you wait? You have to listen to us immediately <laughs> when we come out. Because the stylings of Andrew's cough are always in style. Yep. Anyway, Andrew, car stuff. Uh, have you worked on anything this week? I know I've seen a couple things since last time we chatted that you've done on the Infinity. Uh, yeah, did I? I'm trying to remember. Corner lights, corner lights. Oh, yeah. See, this is the other thing. I didn't have any time to do any notes. So, yeah, I got some JDM corner lights from uh, the old Bayi. Those came in. They didn't come in time to do the track day I did with it. But I had them in there. I think I talked about finishing the the Moretz. Yep. Yeah, you had that yeah. conversation last time. All right. So the factory turn signals are clear and kind of clear with clear headlights, obviously, which looks pretty good with the regular old headlights. But I think the JDM corner lights, the, the amber contrast better with the green in the car. Hundred percent. And then there's a side marker light too. That's also the same color amber, so it kind of matches it. Ties it all together. It's interesting because like the Montero's got amber side markers. The I believe I have a set of JDM ones for the Galant. I think somebody had those in there, and I didn't like them. I went back to the American ones because the JDM ones for the Galant are clear, right? No, they're full amber. Oh. The U.S. ones are half and half. Oh, right, 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 right. That's weird. So that's it's weird that there's there's no there's no law about that. I wonder why they have them different in different countries. Because there's some cars that the American market ones are all clear and some cars, they're all yellow. But some countries do have laws that they have to be amber. Right. But not the U.S. (laughs) doesn't. So it's weird that they have U.S. ones that are different than other countries. Yeah, just the front. Light has to be an amber turn, but then like well, some countries, rears, what's a that? lot of countries, the rear has to be amber, has to yes. be a different color than the brake light, but the front is not the same. Yeah, the front is always an amber. It could be a clear lens, but it's always an amber light, right? Um, and then, yeah, the rear is interesting because some are all red, some are amber and red. A lot of Japanese cars are amber and red. So a lot of foreign countries. (laughs) Well, a lot of foreign countries, it's a law that they had to have a different color turn signal than taillight. So that's why you'll see. It's more obvious. 
they show, I forget what the percentage is of um, reduction in rear end collisions during turning. Uh, but there's a there's a there's an actual percentage that it's safer when you have a different color turn signal. Which it's weird that American cars didn't adopt that because you would think that you know with the NHTSA and all the rules they have about safety, that would be one that they would. If there's a you know statistic that says it's safer, I'm surprised they didn't make it a law. But it's the reason that. You know, most cars, when they get exported to Europe, they have a different taillight setup for them. You know, you'll see some cars will have, if it has a separate section of taillight that's red, that section will be yellow on the European export or the Japanese export version. Um, and some cars where it doesn't have any separate section in the taillight, they'll just put another random light somewhere in the car for a yellow turn signal. It's very So strange. your Eclipse, the rear taillights are amber, right? The taillights are red and the turn signals are amber, yes. And it's an amber as, lens. Yeah, as opposed to my Talon or GSXs, they're solid red. Correct. Because it's the European market one, so it needed to have amber turn signals. Yeah. It also has and, amber front turn signals. Where, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Were the American ones were clear or not? I don't remember now. They're, they're clear. Freaking cat. They're clear in the um, in the front by the grill. Mine are clear there too, though. You have you have amber markers then. So mine are amber all the way to the split of the light where the pass through is in the American market cars, and then clear all the way to the grill. Yeah. So I don't understand the difference. I think it's just the rears that had that rule. So I know the American cars are dealing with it now with the daytime running lights. You'll notice a lot of cars, the new rule is they have to turn off their DRL when the turn signal comes on. Yes. So it makes it obvious that the turn signal is blinking because some of these DRLs, especially the LEDs and the laser lights, uh, are so bright that when the turn signal was on, you couldn't even see it. Yeah, my Volkswagen knows that. Yeah, it's which also of, has red taillights, all red. Right, but if it was sold in Europe, it would have a yellow light somewhere. Yeah, just make one taillight. Right, it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. It's it's not like an all red taillight is a significantly better sty- styling piece. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's that whole the grass is always greener on the other side. Like we're like, I don't care. Amber taillights are fine. So I mean, Europe is probably like, man, I wish I had all red tails. Yeah. I know Canada was trying to pass some law to prevent people from driving around without headlights on. Like not, so you couldn't have a, manufacturers can't make a light up dash if the headlights aren't on. Right. Which, which, which I noticed like my Volkswagen does that only the, if the headlights aren't on, only the needles are lit up. Everything else is dark. So it's obvious that your headlights aren't on. Well, I remember getting pulled over in your, um, Evo once because I was not used to a car with DRLs and your turn your uh, dash lights were on all the time so I drove away and the DRLs were on so to me the headlights were on and the dash lights were on so I was like oh everything's on I don't have to do anything but I didn't have lights on and we got pulled over remember the time that happened I was driving your car yeah but I was driving it I thought I was driving it no I was driving it oh I, I remember that whoever was driving it gave them the 
cop their uh, debit card instead of license? Was that you? Yes. Okay. I thought it was me for some reason, but it's so long ago. That makes sense. Well, it, it <laughs> I tripped him out too because I realized what happened after he pulled me over and I turned on the headlights. Right. And he's like, wait, your taillights are just not working. Now they're working? Right. That's what that's what happened. And, and then he asked for your license and you gave him your debit card. And we all made fun of you for trying to bribe the cop. Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I just did a quick Google search on amber taillights because I remember there was an article I read recently about it. And for some reason, when you Google just the word amber taillights, every result that comes up is for a Mustang. That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Mustang forums, pictures of Mustangs. I don't understand why. Because I literally just read this the other day and I was looking for the article I read and I couldn't couldn't find it. But uh, yeah, here's that quick article where it talks about them having to be amber. Amber wins over red without less dramatic uh, facts. There it is. In 2008, the NHTSA released findings that amber yellow turn signals are 28% more effective at avoiding crashes than red ones. Yeah. So because red, red is always stop, right? Correct. So if you see amber flashing, you're like, wait, that's different. And the weird thing is, is that, or the crazy thing is that if you're sitting and you can only see half the car and the red taillight is blinking, you don't know if it's actually like, is it a turn signal or is the person like on and off their brakes sometimes? So especially where people don't turn the turn signal on until like the last second and only blinks two or three times. So, yeah, it's weird that the NHTSA would do that study, find out how much more effective they are, and then not mandate anything. Because that's what happened with the the CHMSL, the center high mounted stop lamp. Yeah, they were mandated in 85. And that was only for a 4.3% difference. Yeah, and it's a it's a huge difference now, I think, if they redid it, because if you're driving an old car that doesn't have it, right? People look for it and they don't. Yeah. It totally throws people off if it doesn't have it. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the best way to add it to some of my cars is without making it obvious that it's there when it's off. Uh yeah, I mean they have stick-on LED ones, but Yeah. I just don't want anything that's ugly there all the time, but be safer for me in traffic. So especially cars like, you know, the NSU or um or the the earlier Colt, the 74 Colt, the taillights are small and they're not very bright. Yeah. And they use the same housing and the same it's like a dual filament bulb. So it's just the taillight gets a little brighter. And by modern car standards, the, the stoplight isn't as bright as most modern cars, just running lights are. Yeah. So it makes it a little sketchy at nighttime. So yeah, it's interesting. I'd like to add those to some of the cars. Just even just from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s rear taillight sections got huge yep like i've a, there's a lot of taillight in the back of the town yeah there's a, a percentage too of the ta- of the light that needs to okay in america here it is the brake light and turn signal much each have a lit lens area of at least 50 square centimeters which is seven and three quarters inch squared hmm. so that's the law that is here in the states it needs to be a certain size and the weird thing that is in America is that the taillight needs to have that much space and the turn signal needs to have that much space, but there's no law saying they have to be separate spaces, which is why we have the all red taillights here. 
Yeah. So it's what I don't like is the new Kias and Hyundai's where they're like split. They're very confusing. And the taillight? Yeah, the taillight turn signals. I think on like Kona's and some other SUVs. There's so they've got taillights mounted up in the quarter. Yep. Like uh around the belt line, normal height. Sure. Um, I think I think it's a Kia SUV. I don't know. It's one of those bubble the SUVs. Soul? And then the it's I don't think it's a Soul. The Soul is the hamster one, right? Yeah, the Soul has like Volvo H fifty lights. No. This is like Santa Fe? I don't know. It's got red strips in the bumper. Okay. And those are the turn signals. Oh, that's weird. They're like knee height on the car. Okay, that's strange. For, that seems like that's too low. And then a lot of cars now have tiny LED backup lights. Yeah, I've noticed that. They're also that hard to cars. see. Yeah. And like you're, you'll be driving through a parking lot, not realizing somebody's backing you out. And you're like, oh, I could have. Uh, if if they weren't paying attention, they I, you know, maybe they would have driven into me, or uh, I could have stopped and let them go, but I couldn't tell they were backing up because I couldn't see their backup lights. So it looks like the Kona is the one that has that separate light down there. Yeah, well, it's also got like, it's like a little square, and like the turn signals in it. Yep, I think it's a I think it's a Kia. Yeah, and no, our uh, Hyundai Kona like little... is similar. I don't think I, I don't think I even know what Kia SUVs are called. Uh, <laughs> it's a Santa Fe Sportage Santa Sorento. I mean, I, it's curious too. I'm just I wonder how they get away with that new headlight setup. Like, well, because laws, there's, there's no law that. that says they have to be visible when they're off. So, yeah. Weird. I mean, they're not totally hidden. You can tell they're there if you know they're there. And they're DRLs anyway, so anytime the car is on, the headlights are on. So yeah. it's a gimmick in itself. It's just strange. I just noticed that since it's getting darker earlier, uh, quite a few people just driving without headlights on again. Yep. In modern stuff. Yeah, because they don't remember to turn off turn on the uh, turn off the DRLs and on the headlights. I mean, I remember when I worked at dealerships, a lot of salesmen were just telling people just turn it to auto and just leave it. <laughs> leave it. Yep. Because I don't understand how you can. It's not super dark here in the cities, but how you can just drive down the street and realize you don't have headlights on. I mean, honestly, even in the city, you or notice ha- it pretty quickly if you're paying attention. Yeah, or have people flashing high beams at you and still yeah. not realize that means to turn your headlights on. Yeah, like, I'll do. The, I'll do the flash headlights on, turn my headlights off and on. <laughs> Sometimes that gets people. They get the idea. <laughs> So this this article I was reading about the turn signals um, says that outside North America, red uh, rear facing red turn signals have been banned for thirty five years outside of North America, and the huh. only reason they're not banned in Canada is because Canada needs to is waiting for America to make them uh, make amber ones the law before they'll go ahead and do it. But can- you can just release a car with the amber ones, and it's fine. There's no law that says it needs to be all red or it needs to have amber. It doesn't matter in the U.S. or Canada. But in the rest of the world, it need to be amber and red. So Weird. Yeah, it's very strange. Because normally, America is all about, like, we need like the safety one. Like, we need the safer car. But you would think that manufacturer just released one taillight. Wouldn't that be easier? you think it'd be cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, you think it'd be cheaper, but it's 
it's not. The other weird thing, though, is that in America, they uh, sorry, in Europe, they have the rear facing fog light. Which is mm-hmm. another part of the reason they don't allow red red turn signals, because then the fog light would always look like a turn signal. And yeah, I remember you know, I've had a car with a rear facing fog light that was built into the, the taillight. And when, if you turned it on, people would tell you that you had a, ter- had a taillight out because they assumed that the one on the other side was supposed to be on. And yeah, and I think a lot of them switched to a dual setup. Hmm. Interesting. Another thing I'm reading, too, is that uh, some countries accommodated U.S. cars by allowing reverse lights to be amber or white. So that, that. They, they could wire it up so that the reverse light was amber and it would double as a turn signal. So they didn't have to change the whole taillight. They could just make the reverse light amber. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, as far as a styling standpoint, my amber turn signals look better. Yes. That's how we got in this rabbit hole for the past 15 minutes. <laughs> so... It's interesting. it's funny because I saw that article the other day and I meant to bring it up and we just managed to bring it up uh, a little more organically. That I way. mean, it's it's even like how the 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 dual rounds in it now are H fours. Yeah, we had is... a discussion about that. I think once before, didn't we do a headlight episode? We did a deep yeah. dive into headlights. Yeah, yeah. And the dual versus single in nineteen fifty seven was the first year of. They allowed the dual rounds. The Cadillac was the first car. Actually, while my parents were here, we went to... Remember when you were here, we visited the Martin Museum? It was the car museum by off the Highway 17? Yep. Well, the funny thing is, is that now that I own a house here, my house is pretty much across the street from it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I took my father there, and uh, they have a 1957 Cadillac Eldorado Brome there. Yeah. Which is like the fanciest Cadillac to the to that point that it had been released. Like you open the glove box and it had a uh, mixologist kit, like the whole bar <laughs> had a whole bar set, um, and a ladies' makeup set, and uh, it was the first American car to go to the dual round setup. Hmm. So and they didn't make very many of them, and they're all six figure cars now. They have a stainless steel roof. Um, all of the bumpers and everything on the car is made out of stainless, and they weigh like you know. A ridiculous amount. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was the most expensive American car at the time. It was more money than a contemporary Rolls Royce. Uh, and Cadillac still lost like $6,000 or some stupid number on everyone they sold. Hmm. So it's a wild car, but they were the first ones to adopt that dual round headlight. So a standard of the world. Yep. They're trying to be or said they were anyway. Um, yeah. So that. Oh, the other real European thing I think we kind of talked about, I've got city lights in those uh, morettes. Yep. yep. Which is not very common at all in any American cars. No. my see. I don't know if you remember, my Mark IV had them. Yeah, I feel like I'd only ever see them in, like, golfs. Yep. Or so about them in golfs because people would put them in there. Well, the U.S., if, I, if I'm not correct, somebody can correct me. But I think that the U.S. market Mark IVs had the city lights in them, but no switch for them. And you had to put get a Euro switch to make them work. That sounds right. Yeah. But I remember that my, because I bought the Mark IV used and it had them and it had the switch. Yeah. So I, could, I could leave them on. They were little like 194 size bulbs, 
in yep. the very bottom of the headlight housing. So yeah, they're pretty much like parking light marker bulb. If a headlight bulb burned out, it would also mark that side of the car. I think I think they're more for like if the car is parked street side overnight, you would turn it on just to make it so it was obvious the car was there, so it didn't get smashed into. I guess is my assumption. Yeah. I don't I don't know the actual rule for them, but yeah, it's neat that your Marettes have them in there too. And now you probably put LED bulbs in there, right? Yeah. So you could leave them on for days and days and days and not drain the battery if you wanted to. Well, it's all the rest of the parking lights will be on. Oh, true. Um, so not working, not working exactly the same. They're not on a separate switch. No. Okay. They're just wired into the parking light. But that's the way the that car actually had a city light bulb in that single housing. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I just wired up two LEDs to each single 194. Neat. Um, but yeah, it's basically they're they kind of act like markers, I guess, too. Like if a ball burns out in your headlight. Yeah. Well, they're neat looking, and they kind of at dust they give the whole front of the car a different look because you can you yeah. can still see the headlight shape of the headlight being on. So it'll be neat for taking pictures of the car too. Yep. At dusk, yeah, I need to take some nice pictures of it now. Yeah. Now that's all done. So. Other project car quick updates. I did have new four new tires put on the Q45. Excellent. Um, What'd you go with? Yoko Touring S's, which is like the best brand name tire I could find in that size. Okay. Because it's like a 215 65 15, which is a really weird size now. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's, a, uh, big, it's a big tire for a 16 inch car wheel. 15 inch. It's, 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 15 inch car, but it's almost bordering on like small truck tire. Yeah. But it, I mean, it makes it, it helps with the ride. Yep. Um, the, it had four mismatched tires on there. The fronts were really dry routed. So it, it, it rode really well before it rides better now. Uh, probably because the tires aren't like hard as rocks. Excellent. And uh, the other, so like, an, you know, cause annoyingly like the car came with V rated tires. Because it was touring back in the day. Yep. But a V-rated tire and a 15 doesn't exist anymore. Right. So that was the uh, best I could do was those Yokos. Because other than that, it was like Mucho Machos or something. Yeah, which you don't want to uh, do. Uh, no. <laughs> no, you want, especially you're planning on getting rid of the car. When selling a car, it always makes sense to have a good name brand tire on there because it shows, you know, care for the car. Yeah. You know, whenever you buy a car, it's got cheap generic tires on it you're like well what else did they skip on so have you been driving that car much i drive a little bit more is it um, had pretty much no issues yeah it runs pretty well awesome i uh I lubed up the sunroof it works a lot better um the freon is low so we're gonna recharge it but okay it wants to work is that car uh 134a car yep oh perfect it's right at that like cusp of could be either. I'm not sure when the changeover was. And then the, unfortunately, the driver's side rear door window regulator. I don't know why it doesn't want to work. Like I took the door apart, lubed it, and like looked in there. Like it's not corroded or anything. I don't understand how it's jammed up. Hmm. But it just doesn't like to go up and down very easily. And, um, uh, I'm just going to sell it like that as is. It's Yeah, it's not you a can't huge spend deal. too much time fixing everything. You know, as long as you upfront about it, it won't, it won't affect the price of the car too much, I don't think. 
No, I'll, I'll tell him. I yeah. mean, everything else pretty much works. Yeah, it looks like 134A started to be used in 92 and was standard from 94 on. Yeah, so. I think it's biggest culprit against that car was that it wasn't driven enough. Right, so using it, it is doing wonders for it. Yeah, um, I cleaned it a bunch, press washed the engine. There, at some point, there was some mice in there. I tried to vacuum out the valley of the engine. Yep, it's hard to get in there. I tried to blast some of it out. I'm gonna have to blast it out with air because I want to blast it out with the pressure washer. I don't want to load up too much water in there. Yep. So now the only problem is when it gets a little warm, it kind of smells like mice. Right. So, like, I want to clean it once again. But yeah, it's not ideal. Maybe clean it once again and then run some Fridge Fresh or something through the uh, the vents, the exterior air vents into the cabin to make sure it just. No, gets... no, that that smells fine. Oh, okay. Just when you're standing outside the car and the engine is warm, that's when you smell it. Smells, it smells like mouse pee because it was all in the valley of the engine. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Although it's not in the car, then nobody will care. No. No. Inside the car smells nice. I used some nice leather cleaner in there. Looks minty. I cleaned it all. I uh, threw a coat of wax on it. I don't think I did this before the last podcast. Nope. Um, yeah, fresh washed it. Quick coat of wax. Uh, I didn't shine the tires because I was replacing them. Scrubbed the wheels uh, really well. Wheel acid, those really came back. It's cool. I found the, I, I totally didn't even think of this. It's got the BBS wheels on okay. it. And I, I was in the trunk and I lifted up the carpet. Original spare. Everything's in there. Uh, there was this like hex tool. And I was like, oh, I know what that is. The center lock. So unlike my HREs that unscrews, the center lock is like a cam. So you use the tool and turn it to the left and it just pops the center cap off the wheel so there's no like other hardware to attach it that's how you get to the lug nuts okay that's easy then yeah but like it didn't even dawn on me that you would have to take it off to get to the lug nuts for some reason so but awesome so yeah it was pretty cool it was in there i didn't have to like find it well, I haven't done a ton um, car-wise because, again, my parents were here. Went to a few car things. I did uh, 4 till 4 with my dad and uh, the local Saturday night show I did as well. Um, but I did get a uh, transmission for the Mustang. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, super pumped on that. Um, we've been looking for a while. The uh, they've eluded us. We were ideally looking for a T five, um, five speed versus the four speed that was in the car, but would have taken a four speed if it came up first. Uh, unfortunately for us, it uh, did. Uh, five speed came up first, <laughs> so after like four or five different ones, we finally found somebody who didn't flake on us like last minute to buy the thing. Um, it was super cheap as well. Uh, we ran the numbers from the tail shaft, and it's out of a 1990 Mustang 5 liter. So it's perfect, high speed for the older car. Uh, I went and actually picked it up before podcast tonight, actually, so just got it. Um, super excited because now we have the engine and transmission, and we can get them all cleaned up, 
put together, assembled. And uh, the only thing I need now to buy, other obviously than the mechanical parts like a clutch, is a flywheel. Not a flywheel. I need that too, a flywheel and a clutch. Um, but I need to buy a bell housing. But, I was going to say, how does it bolt up? But thankfully, the bell housing is something I can just buy from a catalog. Like yeah, I don't need so to search junkyards for it. So basically, you have you, you tell you know the Mustang parts company that okay, I have a seventy four block, and I have a T five from a nineteen ninety, and they'll have a a bell housing that mates those two together. All right, cool. So it should work spectacularly. Hopefully, uh, that'll be a hydro clutch or a cable clutch. Uh, I can go either way. The car is a cable clutch in the factory, so the bell housing is how you make that change. So I'm going to keep it a cable clutch. Yeah, it's probably easiest. So. I mean, it's as long as you keep it away from the exhaust, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm, I remember I'm that's pretty... how they would die on Fox bodies. You, you, it would somebody would change out the exhaust, and then it would get overheated and it break on you. Yeah, I'm. That's, I'm pretty sure. I'll have to double check into it, make sure I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there's a conversion kit to keep it, you know, the stock setup with the stock um, cable clutch setup. But there's also conversion kits out there that aren't too much money to convert it to hydraulic clutch, and that might make the car even easier to drive. So I'll uh, I'll have to look and see what the what the price difference is between the two. So I'm not sure exactly hmm. what we're gonna do, but we'll make it work. And then. With a five speed, do you have to change the drive shaft or the drive shaft stays the same? I'm not perfect. I'm not a hundred percent sure, to be honest with you. I have to do a little more digging and research into that. Um, I'm not tremendously stressed about it because there's a drive shaft shop here in town. Oh yeah. For like a hundred bucks, they'll just make a drive shaft to your specs. So yeah. I'm not and really then, stressed out about it. Final quiz question. So the ratios in a 95 speed work well with whatever rear end is in that car? Yes. According to what I've read, it shouldn't be an issue at all. all so right. I forget top of my head what the rear end ratio is in that car. I did look it up before. Um, and based on the numbers that I looked up before, uh, it does work just fine with that five speed. And it makes that fifth gear like pretty much an overdrive. So the car doesn't, well, it should be. Yeah. The car doesn't have super highway gears. It's like the middle of the road gears. They're not drag race gears, but they're not highway gears. So this will help. Three nineties or something. So I, don't, I don't remember what the number is, to be honest with you. I, I have written down. I broke down all the numbers when we first got the car here. And I just don't remember top of my head what they are. So it, it should all work together again. Something I'm not tremendously concerned about because if you want to change the rear gear in a Ford, it's, you know, $25 in parts. So it's not anything super expensive. So, yeah, I just, uh, I'm just thinking like 411s, 390s, 373s. Yeah, those were the numbers back just, in the day. Just something, something along those lines. So, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the numbers. I'll look it up and tell you next podcast because I don't remember now, but. It, it should be a good mix. Uh, and if it's not, we'll make it a good mix. We'll change the gears if we have to. It's, and you throw a locker in it. That would be what I would do if I changed the gears for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, if you're going to go in there. Yeah. I'm going to take it apart and change it. I'm going to do the right thing in the end and, and build, build the thing correctly. So. Anyway. 
I don't have any other car news because I haven't done anything else because I've not been uh, not been in town. So. I did the last track night in America, like I said. Oh, cool. Yep. Uh, that was well the last one for our region. So that was at Thompson uh, last week, which waiting for pictures. They were there taking pictures. Usually they're like a week out. It's been over a week. I haven't seen any. I did see um, you posted a video of your little uh, loss of traction. Yeah, because the last. So it, I did intermediate um, instead of novice, which is interesting. They did two novice uh, classes or yeah, groups. And then just one intermediate. I ended up with mostly open track most of the time. I'd have to let a bunch of cars by, and awesome. I would just have open track again. Yeah, um, which is awesome. And I was moving along pretty well too. So like that straight as as fast as I was willing to go was about ninety five. I could probably go a little deeper into the corner, but I actually don't have. They're just like centric brakes. They're not like hawk pads. Because right. I didn't buy like track brakes, because <laughs> I didn't think I was going to do any track days <laughs> in April. Yeah, and you don't want to do repeated hundred mile an hour to forty five mile an hour stops on street pads. Uh, they only smelled a little bit because there's only really like hard braking in that on that front straightaway. Because the rest okay. of it is just you got to carry momentum. Because um, the car is not that fast, right? So you could do the majority of the course in third and then getting onto the front straight shift to fourth. So that was pretty fun. Um, it was like on off rain, but mostly dry until last session. It started to rain. I was like, uh, all right, I'll go out because it's only 20 minutes. Do a couple laps. Sure. If it's too slippery, just come in. No big deal. Um, ended up doing the whole session, but yeah, I come around. There's, I think it's like turn three. It's like another sharp hairpin. And that's when the car just kind of slid sideways on me. Four-wheel drift and a front-wheel drive. Um, I'm curious to see pictures because somebody did tell me, oh, the car was three-wheeling a lot around the corners. So oh, that'd be they captured it. Yeah. And that's on, you know, not coilovers, just springs and struts. So, Yeah, I got a fat rear sway bar. Um, yeah, and just three hundred turn wear Yokos, which those the Advan Flavas Flavas Advan Flavas Flava. I don't remember already. Flavas. I remember we came to an agreement, and then I forget what it is. <laughs> anyway, um, good tire. I, I would say, like, not a dedicated track tire, but. As a tire, you can drive quickly in the street and then do a canasial track days with. Sure. Excellent tire. Like, excellent tire. Especially for tires that are in, like, the 15-inch size range, which is a pretty good um, variety. And, you know, those like the new Zenuses. I'd love to try, but those are, like, a 200 tread wear. Right. I know our friends building the Lemons car are going are gonna to try it, but... They'd also wear out faster on the street and be a lot noisier. Or I feel like these Yokos have like a lot of, they have like a nice tread pattern and they're, they're really good in the rain. They get a lot of sipes. Uh, They're they're a good compromise. They are a good compromise. Like they look good, good sidewall, just sticky enough, but not too sticky. 
So I would definitely, uh, definitely buy another set. And I think I like, I do need some new ones on the, on the Galant and they're the old S drives. These is what replaced the S drives. Right. I'd probably go with them again. Yep. If I was going to do track days, maybe I get a different set of wheels for it and, uh, a stickier tire. That's the cool thing, because at least with the Galant and the G20, they have the same bolt pattern. I could so get you a lot of track tire. You could, I could buy a track set of wheels in fifteen. Yep, yep. And I could switch cars. between cars. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's what I have. Uh, you know, most of my cars are the same four by one, fourteen point three bolt pattern, so I can use the same same wheels in a bunch of cars if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. one last couple events. Guess, yep. What you you got got? Events coming up? I got events. Uh, uh, this weekend, a Japanese car day. Cool. At Lars Anderson, Sunday. Same Sunday is the last Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. So I am going to Japanese car day instead, unfortunately, because they're in opposite directions. Yes, they are. Um, <laughs> you couldn't hit both. Yeah. So um, it's too bad. I'd love to go to the last... Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee because I missed like a couple of the other ones for something else, some other event. Um, yeah, every now and then those things just don't line up. Yeah. So uh, I don't have any local events coming up here. I'm not doing anything big. I mean, I will be at uh, four till four for Shakedown Saturday this weekend, um, and then coming up on the Saturday of Halloween weekend. I'll be at JCCS, so that's the big one coming up. Cool. I got some some prep work to do for that. I need to uh, finish the do the rear brakes on the Cressida and get that cleaned up in detail for that show. I change the oil before I go to. That's a bit of a ride. I haven't done that yet. Yep. So yeah, I'll be at the Greenwich Concourse on the twentieth or twenty first. I forget the exact date. It's in. It's a week from this Saturday. Yeah, for the Redwood show there. Yeah, and the rest of the concourse. Yeah, of course. Excellent. Well, I said we're going to do a short episode tonight. It's kind of late for you, so we're going to end it right there. Yeah. And uh, All right. Sounds good for me. Yeah. So, as always, keep girls analog and name for the residents.